The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. New research by environmental organisation Greenpeace has shown that in 2022, the number of private jet flights more than doubled when compared to 2021. Uh, So there are calls for luxury flights to be banned on private aircraft. But is it all about comfort and queue skipping or are there more practical uses for this type of transport? I'm joined now by Saif O'Neill, coordinator of the Stop Climate Chaos Coalition, as well as by Kevin Byrne, who's retired Air Corps Lieutenant Colonel and uh, airport. Safety and Security Auditor. Good morning and welcome to you both. Um, Saif, first of all, uh, do you believe these aircraft should be banned? Well, I think first of all, we have to look at the environmental impact of private jets. Um, I was astounded to learn this morning that the average emissions from a single journey um, of a private jet from from Dublin to London was 10.2% uh tons of carbon dioxide i mean this is extraordinary there are millions of people in the world who in an on an annual basis emit less than a ton of carbon dioxide per annum so the impact is extraordinary it's way out of proportion to the any kind of benefits even to individuals so we have to regulate this sector and unfortunately aviation is quite an elusive sector there are no taxes on kerosene and there's extreme inequality in the emissions because obviously some people don't fly at all some people fly very infrequently and some people fly very frequently on long-haul flights and even use private jets so there's a lot of inequality in how aviation emissions are generated and we don't have any policy mechanisms that are addressing either the emissions or the inequality. Mm. Um, there's one way to do it, of course, is that is put uh, massive taxes on each private jet flight. You know, you have minimal taxes yeah. maybe on mass transport by air, but huge taxes on those who travel in the private jet. Well, absolutely. That does make a certain logic. It, 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 it's, uh, it's got an appeal and there's an economic uh, rationale for it. The problem is that we're really talking about the super rich and corporate elites here who are impervious to those kind of price signals, they're not likely to change. If status, if their corporate image and if their desire to get from A to B as fast as possible is more important than the cost, they will simply pay up. So the question is, we can't, we can't let them, you know, use up more than their fair share of the carbon budget, no. either globally or nationally. So what's the idea then? Ban the use of these type of aircraft to private individuals and only allow to, say, governments who might need to get from A to B in a crisis very quickly? Yeah, I I think there is a case for that and it would have to be looked at carefully. There's obviously going to be a case to be made for certain kinds of urgent uh, private jet use and maybe for medical reasons or other reasons. So, um, you know, it needs to be teased out to make sure that we don't create some sort of terribly unfair situation. But for the the main bulk of the journeys that were made in the past year, 6,000, over 6,000 journeys by private jet, I very much imagine that those could have been easily substituted by a commercial flight or even Um, travelling by sail and rail. Not to be utterly facetious about this, but um, Elton John was in town last night. And the prospect of meeting Elton John on the priority queue at Ryanair in Terminal 1 this morning uh, is just something that is frankly ludicrous. Yeah, I think I think that's a very interesting example because there are actually some celebrities and um, musicians that are going out of their way to try to adopt kind of a net zero strategies for themselves and, and their, their team as they go from one concert to another. 
and they've become quite aware of the environmental and climate impact of their operations. They're bringing so much equipment and people with them. So I, I, I get it. There are uh, sort of certain categories of activity that uh, have a bigger climate impact than others. Uh, and that's the sort of thing we'd have to look at in, in detail. But I think that that does probably not represent the vast bulk of those journeys yeah. that are reflected. But it, it's, it's easy to cite Elton John or say if, if you two are on a whistle-stop tour in America and the idea of taking a limo or whatever across the desert uh, 700, 1,000, 1,500 miles from one gig to the next when they could take a plane that would hop uh, maybe the same distance in half an hour or an hour uh, so they could perform the following night. Um, th- th- that's the easy stuff to understand and the fans enjoy the fact that they're readily available. The harder stuff to understand is the person, the executive, male or female, who takes a private jet flight in order to save a thousand jobs in in Ireland or in Delaware? Well, I mean, I I don't think we know. We need uh, some more detail about what those six and a half thousand flights actually represent. Um, but I really doubt that, I really doubt that it, it's it's a rescue mission for jobs or for anything else. The reality is that the way this is constructed is that some people's emissions are extremely high. They are like wrecking the planet. And the rest of us are being asked to, you know, get on our bicycles and use public transport and minimize our emissions, retrofit our homes. So is, is, are we living in a two world situation where some people can just do what they want because they're rich? Because we're all living in the same carbon constrained reality here. And we're going to have to figure this stuff out. But inequality is going to have to be addressed mm. as part of that. All right, so the, you want this looked at, uh, whether you tax people out of this activity or whether you ban it entirely? Because one of the issues is if you do need a fleet of private jets to be available for the medical emergencies and so on, they need to be flown regularly to to actually make them airworthy. Yes, I, I understand there are operational and logistical challenges, but from a policy point of view, the message is really clear that we have to get our emissions down by over 50% by 2030 and we can't exclude aviation from that. Mm. But insofar as we do impose any restrictions on aviation with taxes or whatever we do to try to minimise emissions, we have to address the inequality there because one flight that emits 10 tonnes of carbon per annum is not equivalent to the once a year or once a two year flights that people make to go on a holiday. It's just sure. not equivalent. Um, listening to our conversation is Kevin, uh, Kevin Byrne. Uh, Kevin, what uh, do you say to this notion that really people are profligate in their uh, use of carbon and polluting the planet by taking private jets? Well, good morning, Pat. I, I might be on a loser here from the start. I am an out-and-out aviation enthusiast, and I've been a professional for over 40 years now, so I hope I'm not trying to, to uh, defend the indefensible as such. Just in keeping, aviation total worldwide um, pollutes the atmosphere to a less than 4%, so while it is significant, if we stop flying tomorrow, if every aircraft was grounded permanently, we would save 4%, but the, the outcome of that would be it would change the world in every sense of the world, not just from our island, which of course is tourist-based, and we, we 
need the people to come in mostly by air from that point of view. But to get down to the, the executive jets, as it were, uh, in business, time is money. And the um, government, for example, when I was serving uh, back in 1990, got uh, invested in the Gulfstream 4 and kept it for a long number of years. I had the privilege of going on a, a training flight to Brussels. As you rightly point out, you have to fly these airplanes, first of all, to keep them safe and to keep the pilot crew in training. And we parked beside two jets of the similar nature, IBM and McDonald's, and we asked the pilots, why are you here in Brussels? And they said, we're here only for business. We're told where we're going. We're going to Cincinnati in the case, I think, of IBM. And they're going to bring executives to make decisions about jobs and factories and that kind of thing. And that's what they do. They sit on the ground until they're doing that. So quite a bit of the aviation business is done for business purposes. In Asia, in China, in Africa, they don't really like team and Zooms and that kind of thing. They want to see the color of your face and speak to you in person before deals are done from that point of view. So there's a huge business element to that. There are people who are very, very wealthy. They're called high net worth individuals. They stay in seven star hotels if we can find them. They go around in armored vehicles because they are, of course, terrified about being kidnapped and security is only served by them by flying in their jets from point A to point B to point B to point C and so forth. But there are ways around it. If you charge them extra money, it doesn't really matter. They're paying, as you point out, the right, the, the high price anyway. If they land in permanent you know, positions in good airports, they're going to pay a top dollar. They do now. There is a way around it, though. There's a thing called carbon neutrality and zero carbon. They're not quite the same thing, which I learned when I went to a Chartered Institute of Logistics Transport uh, seminar yesterday, quite a good conference on it. We were talking about trains and road freight, but the same thing applies to aviation. Carbon neutral allows you to buy credits from that point of view. Uh, zero carbon means that we're going to have no pollution at all by the flying of these jet aircraft. And we will get to that stage, Pat, in the next number of years because aviation is very conscious of its contribution to pollution in the world. Yeah. yeah. These uh, green aviation fuels, though, they're expensive at the moment and not yeah. in great supply. No. But they're coming. I'm just reading stuff from the engine manufacturers, General Electric, Pratt & Whitney and Rolls-Royce are all very keen that all of their engine products will run on sustainable aviation fuel, about which we've spoken before. And more and more of that is coming online. Indeed, all of the airlines are buying into it now because they do realize that they are pollutants and they want to stop. They want to get away from the oil, the traditional stuff dug out of the ground. And soon enough, they will be getting into it in big numbers. But immediately, we could say in the next 12 months, look, executive jets must use this stuff. It's going to cost more but it will come either to a carbon neutral situation or a zero, zero mm. carbon because we haven't identified or made the hydrogen powered executive jets yet. We will start or we haven't got electric aircraft yet because they're not a proven product yet. But it will come that way. And yes, we could put uh, you know, uh, rules in place to say, look, we're not going to ban you from flying, but you're going to have to do it in a carbon neutral or zero carbon mm. way in the next couple of so, years. And that would work, I think. All right. Uh, well, different ways to skin that cat from Saif O'Neill, coordinator of the Stop Climate Chaos Coalition and Kevin Byrne, retired Air Corps Lieutenant Colonel and Airport Safety and Security Auditor. Uh, thank you both. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.